Bridge Bank helps breakthrough ideas actually break through and remains dedicated to providing financial solutions to the risk takers, the game changers, and the disruptors. Bridge Bank, a division of Western Alliance Bank. Bridge Bank, be bold, venture wisely. Hey, it's Glenn Washington from Snap Judgment. And if you love what you're hearing, and I know you love what you're hearing, please consider becoming a KQED member. Get special access to cool events, behind-the-scenes footage, and so much more. Plus, you'll sleep better at night knowing you did your part for the community you depend upon. It's in you. Please be in it. Visit donate.kqed.org slash podcasts to sign up now. That's podcast with an S. Thanks. From KQED. Welcome back to Forum. I'm Alexis Madrigal. Antonio Lopez is many things. He's an East Palo Alto native and at 27, the youngest serving city council member. He's a doctoral student in modern thought and literature at Stanford. And he's an award-winning poet with a recently published book titled Hentification for a word he coined and defines in part as when gentrification becomes personal. He joins us as part of Forum's first-person series, which profiles local leaders and changemakers who make the Bay Area unique. Welcome to the show, Antonio. Thank you so much for having me. Welcome, everybody. Yeah, yeah. Uh, tell me about your East Palo Alto, like not the one that, you know, people talk about or hear, hear about, but the one you really know. It's a beautiful place. You know, we're in the heart of Silicon Valley, and you would think, given all the tech companies and all the hype about Google and Microsoft that we wouldn't be here. And yet this city has fought since in the 80s to be sovereign, to be politically independent. And really, we have such a beautiful confluence of heritages and people we got one of the biggest Pacific Islander populations. We were historically black city. African-Americans fought to make this city ours. Um, waves of Latino immigrants, including my parents in the eight, in the 80s. So um, as well as smattering of Asians and whites over the years. And I think we're just such a, a testament to the cultural wealth of the county of San Mateo, of our Bay Area that oftentimes gets overlooked and, and neglected, frankly. So. Yeah. What what were your spots like in the city when you were when you were growing up? Like where did you where did you go hang out and where did you kind of come to to see this city as as something special? Yeah, I think you know I went to I went to school. Shout out to Edison Brentwood uh, Academy, Edison McNair right across the street, now Los Robles in primary school, and that Ravenswood football field. You'd have people playing rugby. You'd have the mass the Macedons are playing now. You know we just all the fields and parks that people hang out, play their boom boxes and they have their cookouts. And again, just, you just see that we're two and a half square miles, but we, you, you were able to, to make community with all these different people. And it's such a unique flavor to language, to identity. There's nothing quite like East Palo Alto. And, and I think there's such a pride that we have growing up here. Um, and just fighting and being resilient. I think those, 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 those stories are so, are, are what fuel me, frankly. And, and the parks were the spots, um, the pachangas and the parties, you hear people, houses kind of blaring up a little too loud over the weekend. So these are tight cross spaces, but there are cross spaces. And so every little inch of this city's alive and bustling all the time, certainly growing up. What are the forces that you really see the city struggling against at this point? 
It's, it's, it's so many. I mean, a lot of people are talking about gentrification, you know, and, and, and certainly in my lifetime, like I would, and certainly in a lot of people's lifetimes, the old heads that grew up here, I don't think they would ever in their years believe that their house would be worth upwards of a million dollars, that um, it would be so expensive to live where they live. You have sea level rise, you know, where the majority of our houses are in flood risk areas. That's why when you buy a house or get houses, you have to have flood insurance. Um, you have uh, health disparities. And, and, and I think there are a lot of people and institutions, Ravenswood Family Health, health Center, um, so many individuals who are fighting on the front lines to make sure that we have access to health and, and services. Um, but I do think the, the, the biggest issue is housing that we don't, we, this, this county and this area is so reluctant to build affordable housing people that need it. I mean, that's why you got people driving for goodness sake, all the way from Tracy, from Modesto, a lot of our community, particularly African-Americans have had to go to other parts, to the East Bay, to, to down Central Valley. And that's not natural. That has everything to do with the economic forces that makes it incredibly difficult for us to stay here in the places that we grew up. Yeah. I want to I want to hear some of your poetry. I know that I mean we're going to we I want we're going to talk about the city council too. But I want to I want our listeners to hear one of your poems. Do you mind reading uh, one of them from your book to for us? Absolutely. I'm going to read a poem called The Disciple of San Mateo County, California. Cool. And God said to Juventino, "Perform ablution over the bathroom sink." Press the cold metal with novice palms. Stretch out your double white tee. The cotton bullet proof vest where upon stepping in the schoolyard, your face juvenile punches. Brace the iron gates with knockoff Cortezes. Cuff your sagging dickies by the ankles. Saunter through the cracked voices of boys who laugh without a tag for their torsos. Unzip your brother's fur jacket and take father's flask. Drink from his Patron. Shadow box the heavy gavel swings with swigs of your own. Cleanse yourself in liquor's kerosene. Let flammable spirits purge all nerves. To be an acolyte embalmed in hair gel Worshipping the altars cordoned off in caution tape is sainthood. Lopez, East Palo Alto City Council member, reading a poem from his book, Gentification. What questions do you have for Antonio Lopez about East Palo Alto, his poetry, or the role of poetry in politics, art and politics? Give us a call now, 866-733-6786. That's 866-733-6786. You can get in touch on Twitter, Facebook. We're at KQED Forum. Or you can email your questions for Antonio Lopez, forum at kqed.org. Antonio, like, who are you in conversation with when you think about your your poetry? Like, who did you? Is it like the OG Chicanos, like uh, down in Southern California? <laughs> is it like hip hop artists now? Is it yeah. like the spoken word folks? Like, I hear a few different elements of of all those things. Yeah, it's everything. I mean, in terms of the Chicano poetry, Juan Felipe Herrera, shout the shout out to him, the former poet laureate of the United States. In terms of how he uses language and really interrogates you know, the, the translation in Spanglish and really puts our pride and community on the page. Certainly Ginsburg, you know, 
and how and the, and the San Francisco literary movements that are in our backyard and going shout out to City Lights. Um, hip hop, absolutely, right? I grew up in the Bay Area, hyphy movement, rhythm and sound. And again, going back to East Paul to being a, a historically black city, you have that you have that footprint and blueprint into um, our city and certainly in, in my neighborhood and in, in our classrooms, like that influenced me. So I would say a lot, a lot of different people, um, even though if I write about, for example, like young Latino men, it's always in conversation with our artists whether they're famous, super famous in the literary world, in the music world, or here in the streets, like they're people that have very much nourished me and really just at the end of the day, taught me that language can can change the world and language and poetry and art can move people into action. And that's kind of where my pocket of politics is at this moment. Yeah. How did that happen? Did you just, did you just go like, you know what, I'm going to run for city council. I mean, you, you must've been 26 at the time. Most 26 year olds are not like, I'm going to run for city council in my hometown. Right. Right. Yeah. And certainly millennials now we're like, what can we do? We keep, we're not going to have kids. We can't afford to, you know, make a living. So I think we're in a really creative, but you know, pressured time. Um, you know, it's important to keep in mind. I, I was away from my, my hometown for eight years. I went to higher education. I went to do then I got MFA in Rutgers. Then I went to, I was in England for two years at Oxford. So it was 2020 and I, I, I came back to California because of the pandemic. And you gotta understand that I was in a position where I had gained so much education and I was so proud of that first generation college kid. And I felt that I'd grown in so many ways, but then I came back to my city and a lot of the issues that I left in 2012 were still very much there. And many senses exacerbated. You know, we talk a lot about how COVID laid bare the inequalities. I saw that firsthand doing, helping out volunteering for organizations and really seeing uh, the scale of displacement and in COVID people vacating their homes. And, you know, that really hits the heartstrings. And again, the contradiction of, for someone like myself, you know, being a minority of a minority, as I call it, that we've attained so much success, but yet our city hasn't caught up to that. And needing, I think the moment challenged me to say, what is all the degrees in the world worth if the, it's not feeding, feeding your community? And so really putting myself in a position where I can show people it is possible that it took a village to raise me and it's going to take a village to continue for us to be, to flourish in, 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 a, in a, you know, 2021. So I ran on a, on a hope with a group of young people who door knocked the heck out of this city and we were successful in that. And the community saw the message and they saw the need for young people to come into the fore. And we've been we've been grinding ever since. Man. Yeah, there's a little there's a little bit of Michael Tubbs to your story too. the uh, former uh, mayor out there in Stockton coming back home to, to do good. I, I thinking about your path. I have to admit, that's a pretty crazy path. I mean, Duke out of right. East Palo Alto. Right. I mean, Maybe I have a misperception of Duke, but I feel like that would be one of the hardest places, hardest elite schools to go to after coming out of East Palo Alto. It's, it's, it's an interesting environment because you definitely do have kind of like the frat, the frat stereotype in there. And I think in PWIs, predominantly white institutions, there certainly is, um, I think for a lot of us first gen, it's this big shock of like, wait a minute, like, where is the music? Where is the where is the identity? Where are the things that I'm used to growing up with? And I remember when I was in high school, for instance, I used to bring like my dad used to wrap me, you know, tacos and frijoles and stuff. And you know, you'd whip that out in the middle of class. Everybody's like, "What the heck is that?" <laughs> but it's like it's who you are. And so, how can you how can you be comfortable in your own skin when you're in an environment that doesn't look like you? I think 
at certainly North Carolina, I think that gave me training to understand if we're going to really bring wealth and resources to our community, we got to be like chameleons and be able to blend into different surroundings, but never truly lose our who we are. And I think the more of us that were in there that are in these spaces, creating community, the easier it is for us to make sense of them. And that's why it's so important to promote and mentor and foster kids of color and particularly in EPA, you know, you don't hear those kinds of stories. So uh, I think being the first is a blessing, but also has its challenges. But the way I got through it, to be honest, is always reminding myself that I'm not just here, I have my whole family with me, my whole community with me, yeah. and I'm going to bring this back. I don't know how, but I'm going to bring it back. And it ended up being politics. Yeah. I, I wonder in East Palo Alto how you, how you bounce, how you kind of go between those worlds. Because, I mean, you could be standing in East Palo Alto and see that huge Facebook headquarters. You got all this wealth and you want, in some ways you want that wealth to come in to the community, but it has to come in through the right channel. So it doesn't just blow everybody out, you know? So how do you, how do you do that? Like when, when you're, you know, dealing with like the Chan Zuckerberg foundation right? and you go like initiative, sorry, CCI, um, what do you what do you say to them to try and get them to give money in the right way? Um, Because you probably do want it to come into the town. Absolutely. And I, and, I, and I think implicit in this, there needs to be a leap of faith on both ends. You know, EPA has been a city where we've been sliding and slub and snub since time immemorial, since our inception. And a lot of us hold that history very with us. It's tender. It's our jugular. But what the moment demands of us is to really think seriously about allyship, right? If we're not being lip service and we truly want people of privilege to invest and expand the resources, then we got to give them the opportunity to do so. Conversely, it also means that folks in positions of influence listen deeply and really have radical empathy for those communities and give them an opportunity to shine, to spearhead, to implement. And it comes, we have to come to the table. If we don't come to the table, then we won't be able to make decisions that are gonna affect our lives. I I tell people all the time, it's not a question of if or when, or if or, or how, it's gentrification has already arrived to East Palo Alto. The question is, how are we going to negotiate and mitigate it? That involves us coming to the table. Um, and, you know, they, folks have delivered. I cite, for example, CZI. You mentioned CZI. They invested $100,000 into our senior activation program for the city for this year. And I'm very proud of that partnership. And I took conversations. And to answer your question, the way that I'm able to really make sense of this very new world is by allying myself with people and trusting myself and having almost mentors here, whether it's in our city council, my colleagues walking me through what's going on, whether it's Ann Ravel, right? Shout out to Ann Ravel, who when I was when, when I was elected, there was some, you know, I got sued by it and she was able to defend me and really help me to understand that what I'm doing is strengthening the franchise, that when you're making change, there will always be those who, who say you're too young. There will always be those who say your approach is off. But you have to be, you have to really lean into your instinct, that same instinct that made your parents cross the border into the U.S., that same instinct that drove African-Americans from the Southeast also to make change. We come from that DNA and we have it within us, but we also have to ally with people who have our best interests at heart. And that takes some intuition, some spidey sense, but we got it. It's, it's, It's in our blood. And so it comes down to allyship and being in solidarity with people who may not look like us, but who want to be with us. Yeah, Rob Lipton, uh, former poet laureate of Richmond, California, also a listener of the show, clearly, uh, asked the question, what for you is the political in poetry, or is, or is poetry a political act on its own terms? 
his boat, you know, po- you know, you look at the groundswell, shout out to Dennis Smith, shout out to Niderbaugh, shout out to even Amanda Gorman, right? We have a groundswell of people of color that are changing the game in poetry. Kathy Park Hong wrote a tremendous book called Minor Feeling as a Poet. Um, but I, I think of poetry, I think of politics and poetry as this analogy. You know, our, com- our family, our community of immigrants has created this table. It is, it, it is finite, it is short, and it has allowed us to live, feed off this table, has allowed us to sustain ourselves but poetry, what it does is it pushes the envelope of what's possible. It holds alive imagination and creativity and an ability to say, what we see here is not the bounds of everything. And artists are almost childlike in their ability to hold change and politicians should take note of them. And so for me, it's, it's when I think about what poetry is, it's extending that table to reimagine that table. What other communities can feed off of it? How can we rearrange the tables and chairs? I'm using the, the analogy a bit extensively, but the point is, is that polit- poetry is fueling and nourishing our ability to make change because so often politics is cynical, is pragmatic. You look at the national stage, what's happening. There's so much cynicism about what we can do, Democrats and Republicans, but poetry, what that will do is it will tell you that's not the end all be all that there's millions of people in their day-to-day lives, being on the buses, pushing their kids in strollers. That to me is poetry. That to me is life-changing. We just gotta be attuned to it and tilt our ear to the possible. Yeah. Uh, Real quick, Antonio Lopez, you are in this doctoral program at Stanford. You've done all this other schooling. You're already on the city council. What do you hope to get out of that? You know, it's so important to get that degree, you know, to show my community that, yes, we can do everything and everything, that we don't have to sacrifice and make, you know, and and concede when we have opportunities. I hope to accomplish landing myself in the Stanford community. I'm working on um, this project of music and the hyphen movement and recovering these pieces of our history of East Palo Alto as natives, as people growing up here. Um, I want the heart of this intellectual hub, Stanford, to really reckon on an intellectual level, the multitude of brilliant minds. You know, Stuart Highland, who's from our community, once told me that at one point we had the most black PhDs in this yeah. city. And we don't talk about that. We don't talk about, imagine that East Palo Alto wasn't a per, a per capita rate of murder, but of intellect that we took seriously. There are banks of knowledge that are just insurmountable. And so to me, I hope to use Stanford as kind of like a light to shine our own community to see, look at the brilliance that has always been there. Look at a testament of cultural wealth that has existed and using the funds and resources of Leland Stanford and his family to say, it is time we reckon with that history. It is time we shine that history. It is time that we let that history sit to the full fervor of the 21st century. Antonio Lopez, thank you so much, man. Poet, East Palo Alto City Council member, get his book of poetry, Hentification. Thank you so much. Thank you much, everybody. And don't forget to donate to Planned Parenthood. Shout out to everyone listening. <laughs> Forum is produced by Tina Lauberg, Suzanne Britton, Ariana Prail, Blanca Torres, and Grace Wan. Judy Campbell's lead producer for the 9 o'clock hour. Our engineers are Danny Bringer, Katie McMurrin, Brendan Willard, Chris Hoff. Our interns are Kimia Akbari, Jennifer Ng. Our executive editor is Ethan Tobin Lindsay. And our chief content officer is Holly Kernan. You've been listening to Forum. I'm Alexis Madrigal. Stay tuned for another hour ahead with Mina Kim. Funds for the production of Forum are provided by the members of KQED Public Radio, 
the Germanicos Foundation, the Generosity Foundation, and the Heising Simons Foundation. Support for Forum comes from San Francisco Opera. Set 10 years after a school shooting, the critically acclaimed opera Innocence takes us into a complex emotional journey where our understanding of innocence and guilt is constantly upended. Kaya Sariajo's ethereal score collapses the past into the present as a community of survivors grapple with how to move forward. Don't miss the highly anticipated American premiere of Innocence, June 1st through 21st. Learn more at sfopera.com. We've all got those parts of our house where the internet just won't go. Well, if you had wall-to-wall Wi-Fi from Xfinity, you could worry less about dead spots. Because with wall-to-wall Wi-Fi from Xfinity, you get fast speeds, reliable connection in every room, and power for all of your devices, even when everyone's online. That's wall-to-wall Wi-Fi only with Xfinity. Restrictions apply. Not available in all areas. Actual speeds vary. All over the country, we need to improve reading in Wisconsin. Schools are changing the way they teach reading. I'm calling for a renewed focus on literacy. We have gotten this wrong in New York and all across the nation. And it's happening because of a podcast. I think your podcast has changed my life. And I'm going to share this podcast with everyone I meet. Sold a Story investigates how teaching kids to read went wrong. New episodes of Sold a Story are available now.